0: prescription drugs have a process. The doctor writes a prescription. It contains the name of the medication, the strength, the dosage form, the quantity, the directions, and the number of refills. The pharmacist verifies his prescription. Is the dosage and directions appropriate and safe? No. Calls to the doctor are made for clarifications. Yes. The process continues. The medication is filled and labeled, packed in a neat bag and stapled with pages of information, further directions, and warnings. Insurance is billed and the patient picks it up. If necessary, the pharmacist talks to the patient, explains how the medication works and what side effects, both common and severe, they should be wary of. It's a process that many of us are familiar with. Drugs are powerful, and it is generally agreed on that their use should be monitored. As a pharmacy student, we are expected to become experts in this process. But What happens when this process is skipped and not just one part of it, but from beginning to end? What are the outcomes of obtaining and using a prescription drug without a prescription and not from a legal pharmacy? Why do people get drugs without a prescription? My friends, um, who was transitioning, they no longer needed their their testosterone gel. So then um, they they basically gave it to me. When I first started doing it, I was getting hot flushes and my my mood like very like it was very temperamental. Um, but then I thought to myself, I want this, like I need this. This is something I need, so I'm I'm just gonna do it. My The transgender community is no stranger to non-prescription hormone use. In a study done in New York in 2009, it was found that 23% of trans women who used hormones obtained them from sources such as friends, lovers, and street vendors. A separate study published by the Journal of Sexual Medicine in 2014 concluded that one out of four trans women self-prescribed cross-sex hormones before visiting a gender clinic. About 70% of these patients had gotten their hormones from the internet. Common medications that can be bought from the internet for gender-affirming purposes include testosterone and estrogen. However, both hormones used at therapeutic doses have serious potential side effects. (music) Testosterone is a masculinizing hormone. Some physical benefits of testosterone can include lowering of the voice, development of more body and facial hair, more muscle mass, and no menstrual periods. Potential side effects and risks of using testosterone include acne, blood clots, high blood pressure, weight gain, redistributed fat patterns, heart disease, irritability, and possibly infertility. While taking testosterone, it is also highly recommended that patients are monitored every three to six months to obtain lab values for total testosterone, estradiol, lipids, sex hormone binding globulin, albumin, and hemoglobin to make sure that the medication is both effective and safe. Estrogen is a feminizing hormone. Physical benefits of estrogen include breast development, less body hair on the arms, legs, chest, abdomen, and shoulders, softer and less coarse skin, and smaller testicular size. Side effects and risks can include thrombosis, high blood pressure, development of diabetes, weight gain, migraines and headaches, and infertility. Once again, it is also recommended that patients on estrogen have lab values monitored every three to six months. Antiandrogen medications, such as spironolactone. Which desensitizes testosterone in the body, can also be used to aid in feminizing appearances. Patients using spironolactone should have basic metabolic panels conducted every few months to make sure their potassium levels are within normal range. Some of the potential side effects for testosterone and estrogen are very serious. Diabetes and high blood pressure are chronic conditions that require lifetime maintenance medications and monitoring. Complications of blood clots and thrombosis can be life-threatening, leading to strokes or heart attacks. Studies have also found that trans patients who are monitored by physicians knew more about these side effects than patients who received hormones from non-prescribed methods. People who source hormones from the internet also get their information from the websites that sell these medications, and studies have consistently found that the information provided by these websites are not accurate and reliable. So now we know what the risks of these hormones are and the importance of being monitored. So why do trans patients choose to go the non-prescribed route? Wouldn't a patient rather have guidance from a professional? Let's start with the World Professional Association for Transgender Health Standards of Care. This guideline provides clinical guidance to healthcare professionals to assist them in caring for transgender patients effectively and safely. According to the standards of care, a patient would qualify to begin hormone therapy if they meet all four of the following criteria. First, they must have persistent and well-documented gender dysphoria, which is diagnosed using a separate criteria. They must also have the capacity to make a fully informed decision and to give consent for treatment. They must be of the majority age in their given country, historically in the United States this is 16 years old, and if they have any other significant medical or mental concerns, these conditions must be reasonably well controlled. A referral is also required from a mental health professional who has performed a psychosocial assessment. The Standards of Care consider hormone therapy to be a medically necessary intervention for transgender patients who seek it. Hormone therapy has been found to relieve psychological distress associated with gender dysphoria, reduce psychiatric comorbidities, and improve quality of life. Studies done in Europe assessing psychological functioning of transgender patients at baseline, before hormones, and after the initiation of hormones, found that there was a significant reduction in depression and anxiety 12 months post-initiation at a follow-up appointment. There is also a significant increase in the quality of life reported for trans women participants whether hormones are from the pharmacy or from the internet it is documented that quality of life can improve for patients with gender dysphoria every day i'll get dms or messages of people asking me how to get testosterone and saying that they can't go down the medical route because they're either too young to go privately or because the waiting list is so long People ask me all the time like how do i get testosterone and those are messages that i have to respond to i feel like i have to respond to them because obviously you need to tell these people that they're putting themselves in a very very dangerous position if they're doing that let's talk more about the internet google seemingly has an answer or a website for any question you type into the search bar social media has also made it easier to find similar interest groups and to message people that you have never even met before so it is not surprising to find out that hormone sharing Google Docs do exist. These shared documents allow users to list what medications and supplies they are in need of, and other users can list what they have access of and are able to share. Testosterone solutions are frequently exchanged using shared Google Docs, since they are more tightly regulated and expensive. Clean needles are often offered too. Sid, who uses they-them pronouns, ended up listing their excess testosterone on one of these documents because they have been on testosterone for a few years and require a lower dose to maintain the physical changes that they desire. A few days after posting their listing, Sid was contacted by a trans male who feared the return of his period since he was running low on his own stock of testosterone and his clinic was not responding to his phone calls. Sid packaged up the medication and dropped it off at the post office, never even meeting the other person face-to-face. Sid stated that they felt compelled to share their hormones because they knew firsthand the impact that gender dysphoria has on the mental health of transgender and non-binary people. They stated that, quote, for some people, it really is necessary to be taking it all the time. If they miss it, it can mean certain things start to come back, like menstruation or facial hair growth, fat redistribution, unquote. Gray market pharmacies on the internet are another way that patients can obtain non-prescribed hormones. These internet pharmacies provide medications that can legally be sold without a prescription, but are not recommended to be taken without medical approval. The risks are clear with this method. These pharmacies are not regulated, so patients have no idea where their medications are actually coming from, or if they even do contain active ingredient. According to the World Health Organization, in 2010, more than half of all drug treatments from illicit websites were found to be counterfeit. All Day Chemist is one of these online websites selling a variety of prescription drugs from multiple countries, and they state that they do not enclose any literature about the products meaning that patients obtaining these medications are not provided with any further information than with what is on the website. An unexpected benefit of gray market pharmacies, though, is the price tag. Hormones purchased online are typically much cheaper than through the prescribed routes. Do-it-yourself or DIY guides are also very popular among the trans community on the internet. Forums dedicated to self-monitored hormone use, share dosing regimens, and other tips and advice. A brief glance at the subreddit TransDIY shows many users sharing their experiences and knowledge. Some of the posts are concerning, though. A user asked if there are any websites or any other ways to analyze blood tests from home. Surprisingly, another user responds to the UK website that will supposedly accept home blood samples and analyze them. Other DIY guides are less concerning. A DIY guide from Healthline, medically reviewed by an MD, offered a lot more non-pharmacological tips to trans women interested in breast growth. The first few tips include wearing padded bras or using makeup to contour the chest. It then continued to talk about upper body exercises and non-herbal supplements that can mimic estrogen. This guide also included a disclaimer that the non-herbal supplements have little evidence though and are not regulated by the FDA. The end of the guide listed resources to find clinics and providers to have a conversation about starting hormone therapy, but did not state any recommendations or methods to self-initiate hormone therapy. While online pharmacies and DIY guides can be accessed by pretty much anyone with internet connection, non-prescription hormone use, also coined hormone misuse, is more prevalent in marginalized communities. A study done in Los Angeles County in 2018 found that younger Black trans women are more likely to participate in hormone misuse compared to older non-Black trans women. Trans women with sex work as a primary income were also more likely to misuse hormones. In these communities, it was also reported that non-hormone injections such as oils, industrial silicones, cement glue, and automobile fluid were used to feminize appearances. Injection of these materials can lead to blood clots, pulmonary hemorrhages, loss of limbs, and even death. Studies have also found that trans women are 12 times more likely to use hormones sourced from the internet compared to trans men. A reason for this difference is that the Controlled Substances Act and the Anabolic Steroid Control Act of 1990 classified testosterone medications as steroids, making it illegal to sell over-the-counter, so it is more difficult to obtain even online. However, testosterone and different formulations sold online are targeted mainly towards cis male bodybuilders. An internet search showed that nearly 100% of the results for buying testosterone are aimed at cis male bodybuilders. However, when searching for buying estrogen, 25% of websites specifically targeted trans women. Interestingly enough, websites intended for trans men had more medical and health-focused information, but websites intended for trans women had a trend of commercialization with emphasis on online pharmacies offering deals on medications. Headlines such as No Prescription Required and Recommended Hormone of Choice for Gender Specialists draw in these patients. As mentioned before, hormone use without proper education and monitoring from a healthcare provider can be harmful. Athenoestradiol is an oral estrogen that is no longer recommended for use in the trans woman population, since it has been shown to be associated with an increased mortality rate from blood clots. Athenoestradiol is also a component in birth control, and many trans women use high doses of birth control to get estrogen effects, unknowingly putting themselves at risk for blood clots too. We talked about the standards of care briefly, and as a recap, patients must meet the four criteria and get a referral to initiate hormone therapy. At first glance, the criteria seems reasonable, right? You have to have well-documented gender dysphoria, you have to be able to make an informed decision and give consent, you have to be of legal age, and you have to have other medical conditions under control. Four things to check off. Seems pretty easy. The reality is, though, that trans patients do not have it this easy to get access to hormone therapy and competent care. Trans women have significantly high rates of violence, homelessness, substance abuse, mental health issues, and poverty. They are also much less likely to have access to health care, making it a barrier to even get properly diagnosed with gender dysphoria, which is the first criteria to qualify for hormone therapy. Trans women are more than twice as likely to be living in poverty compared to the general U.S. population, most likely due to employment discrimination. With no stable income, it is also difficult to access health insurance. Even patients who do have health insurance, stable housing, and steady income face many barriers when interacting with the healthcare system. Gender clinics and endocrinologists specializing in transgender care can be difficult to come across. Then there could be long wait times to see the specialists. In England, the average wait time for a referral to the first appointment can be 18 months. Patients could also talk to their primary care provider about hormone therapy, but research from 2015 shows that less than 35% of medical schools teach coursework related to transgender hormone therapy. Some clinics have providers who may even refuse to see transgender patients. Christine, a trans woman, had lived in Boston and often had checkups at the Fenway Health's Sydney Borum Junior Health Center, a well-known local LGBTQ clinic. However, when she was in between jobs, she moved to Cape Cod to live with her parents. She initially tried to continue getting her hormones to legitimate healthcare providers, but this was a harder feat than she thought. The nearest Planned Parenthood was at least two hours away from her parents' home. Then she attempted to seek care at a women's health clinic. However, the clinic refused to recognize her gender and would not direct her to other providers or clinics. Trans patients face the possibility of being misgendered at clinics. Discrimination, intimidation, and mistreatment can create trauma for these patients. If trans patients do not feel respected or comfortable in a traditional healthcare setting, then of course they will turn to non-prescription routes to obtain their hormones. Insurance is also a huge barrier in patients obtaining hormones through legal prescription means. Federal law prohibits health insurance plans from discriminating against transgender patients. However, exclusion policies are still put in place, and patients typically have to go to court to fight against these policies. As the medical community has stated that transgender care is medically necessary, not a cosmetic choice, some insurers, like Medicare and Medicaid programs, have began to include surgical and non-surgical translated healthcare in their plans. However, it is still legal in 30 states, most of which are in the South, Midwest, and Great Plains, to exclude transgender-related healthcare from coverage. Patients who do get their hormones covered typically pay 5 to $30 a month for their medications. Uninsured patients can expect to pay around $100 a month for prescription medications. To get refills, though, they are expected to go in for consistent blood work, adding to the overall cost burden, too. Protesters today lined up outside this statehouse speaking out against this bill which would stop transgender youth from taking medication or maybe going through certain procedures to change their gender. Now under this bill a doctor would face a felony charge if they treated a, ma- a minor with hormonal therapy, puberty blockers and surgery to help aid in their transition. Protesters today said the decision for treatment should stay between a doctor and and child. However, bill supporters say youth are too young to make decisions at this age. Anti-transgender laws also exist as a barrier to hormone therapy and transgender healthcare overall. Just four months into 2021, 82 anti-transgender bills were introduced across the country. The clip we just listened to was in relation to Senate Bill 10, which was recently approved by the Alabama Senate and is also known as the Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. It would ban medical providers from administering hormones or puberty blockers to patients under the age of 19 and also prohibits gender-affirming surgeries for these minors. Medical providers could face prison time if they are found violating the bill. If laws like these continue to pass in state legislators, Prescription hormone therapy will not even be an option anymore, and non-prescription and hormone misuse will be the only ways transgender patients can get gender-affirming therapy. It is important that anti-transgender bills are actively shut down before they can do more harm to a community that already experiences extreme discrimination and stress. Financial barriers and lack of caring and competent providers contribute to hormone misuse, and while there is plenty of information online for self medicated patients, The information is not always reliable, and more harm can be done. Transgender patients have the right to be fully informed about their medication therapies and should know and understand all the benefits and risks of taking a medication. It is truly unfortunate that this right is taken away from them due to outdated practices and plain ignorance and discrimination. Hormone medications can be life-saving, and quality of life will potentially improve whether the medication is obtained legally or not. The medical community must develop ways to improve access to these therapies and work on becoming more inclusive, empathetic, and welcoming towards transgender patients.